0: Healthy relationships are one of the most important parts, if not the most important part of creating a life story that we love. When it comes down to it, you know, on our deathbeds, it's always said that it's about the relationships we've had, not about how many days we worked or how many toys we bought, but the thoughts are about how we treated our people. Well, intimate relationships are crucial to our well-being. And this relationship, the one with our significant other, finding them, finding the right one, and then nurturing a healthy relationship is, dare I say, a life goal for most of us. So today's guest I'm really excited about, Kimberly Heal. She is the host of the Self-Confidence Project podcast, and she is a men's life dating and relationship coach. That's right. I said men's. I'm excited to focus on men today. And she's here to talk to us about where men are struggling and how to navigate this area with authenticity um, common mistakes and how to overcome them and a lot of other things. So stay tuned. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Kimberly says, quote, healthy relationships are not a fantasy they do exist, but they require more than just love. They require an equal portion of love, compassion, a deep understanding of oneself, commitment, excitement, and effort from both parties, unquote. Kimberly is, well, she has thousands of hours of direct work with men on confidence and dating and relationships, and she brings a mastery of coaching and emotional maturity practices and leadership to her clients so she really gets at the heart of what matters and i'm excited to have her here on this episode that's focusing on men um, because i think that men often get left out of this mindset work so gosh let's get started kimberly welcome to the love your story podcast Thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. And it was,
1: uh, it was like very nice to hear all those lovely words said about me <laughs> in the intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, perfect then. Cause I, I want to hear more and learn more about you. Let's start with your story. How did yeah. you get into this work of helping men? I'm
1: going to do my best to give you like the high level spark notes version. Um, <laughs> because I, I think a lot of people end up getting into any type of helping practitioner work because they're needing that support themselves. That's my theory anyways. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I was about 18, 19 years old. I was living here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, which is where where I'm from. And um, I decided, hey, I need a little bit of a break from business school and I want to go on a trip overseas. So I packed my bags and my friend and I decided we were going to take this one-way ticket to Bangkok, Thailand, um, and just explore and travel and and understand the world and then come back and finish our degrees and get into corporate and do what
0: we were told. Right? (laughs) An adventurous soul.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and it turns out that that kind of roughly estimated two-month trip turned into uh, me living overseas for about 10 years. So it was just too good to be true. I didn't want to come home. I ended up traveling through most all of Southeast Asia um, for months and months and months, just soaking up the sun and learning about myself um, and making a lot of mistakes. <laughs> while traveling. Well, it sounds
0: like you very actively created the life story that you wanted, which is what this podcast is all about, like intentionally creating yeah. what you want. And the You're interesting right. thing is, is how often you don't know what that really is, but you sort of figure it out as you go, right?
1: You do like you have an idea of what you want to create, but you don't always know the minute details. And so here I am traveling the world, and I'm meeting people, and I I meet this wonderful girl in uh, in Bali in Indonesia, and we start chatting, and we become friends. And you know, fast forward two months later, I'm I'm now in Sydney, Australia, and she's living there, and I'm living there, and all of a sudden, I find myself getting offered a job. Um, at one of the world's largest interdealer brokers. And here I am, Kimberly, now at what, 20, 21 or 20 years old, working in financial derivatives. So
0: <laughs> wow. I. I didn't-
1: yeah, I mean good I didn't see have, that
0: coming, huh.
1: No, I I mean <laughs> I didn't even know what a derivative was and you know, I, my plan was never to necessarily go work in the financial sector but you know, I was studying business and here I am and and the world presented this opportunity and it was too good to be true. So, I found myself working in this industry for eight, nine years, uh, six of those in in Sydney, Australia, traveling from Australia to different parts of Asia and Europe. And then many, many years later, I end up moving up to Singapore for a few years. But why this is relevant to my story is because that industry is very male dominated. Um, I worked on a broking floor and I always get the number slightly wrong every time I tell the story, but there was roughly like 98 guys on the, on the broking floor in Sydney, Australia. And I was, there was one female that worked on the bonds desk and maybe one or two females that worked in the back office. And then myself on the broking floor. And I, as I look around, all I can see is guys doing their job. And here I am one of like the only females. And so this industry that I worked in, I loved and adored, and it was challenging, but I worked directly with men. And that just means you get to know them better. You're around them all the time. I, you know, I worked with them, hired them, fired them, traveled with them, reported to them, went out and had beers with them, um, and just got to know them more deeply and more intimately, but also witness the challenge that a lot of them had dealing with a very high pressure job, pardon me, and also dealing with their intimate relationships. And in that industry, there was a lot of, stress and there's infidelity which happens in any industry but there was that happening cuz these guys are going out drinking for long hours and mistakes happen and there's just stress of starting families and working these jobs and here I am Kimberly just young kind of girl witnessing all of this and these guys came became family and I ended up being very involved in their lives and and noticing where these guys were maybe breaking down or having to suppress their emotions or trying to be like the Australian version of what men should be like, which is the same thing, what US men should feel, Canadian men should feel, you know, tough and hide their emotions. And, you know, at the same what an time. Interesting
0: yeah. education for you. I yeah. mean, truly. And I love that you've taken that education and done something so completely positive with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet you love it. And I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I'm no, just like, that's okay. That is super cool way to learn and figure something out because it's really real. It's boots on the ground. It's yeah, you know, it's not some kind of training that somebody's put you through. You you get to know these men and totally. what works and what exactly.
1: doesn't. Yeah. And like like I said, they all kind of became family in a way. And you know, I got to to know them pretty well, at least a lot of them. Um and at the same time, you know, I I was in and out of different relationships. I was trying to make it work. I was making a lot of my own mistakes too. And I'm also witnessing like, you know, what men are going through. I'm also having my own experience. And, um, I remember our, our CEO of the firm in Australia actually brought on like a coach slash counselor to be made available to the employees. And that was my slight little door that opened to this world of coaching and the power of it. You know, I worked with him for about a year and realized I'm cutting the story a little short here, but I realized in that time of working with him that I really wanted to do what he did. I wanted to be the kind of person that could support others and help them understand themselves as he did with me, because what I learned about myself and how I show up in relationships and what I'm wanting out of life was so uplifting and like radically life-changing for me that I walked away from that corporate career after eight or so years um, and started this journey of wanting to build my coaching business slash empire. So here I am now.
0: (laughs) How did you transition then from that to, to being the coach you wanted to be? Yeah,
1: well, not in a really straight line. I mean, I knew that I wanted to become a coach, but I didn't really know what kind of coach. I just knew I wanted to support people. And so was it women I wanted to support? Was it people that are stressed out in the corporate world? I wasn't really sure in the beginning, Um, but I knew I wanted to do it. And so I'm the kind of person that does take big risks and I can be a little impulsive sometimes. And so I quit this job and it took at least a year and a half of fumbling over myself and figuring out what coaching was and getting some training and realizing I had to start a business and then figuring out, well, what, 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 who do I work with? Like, can I help everyone or do I have to pick a niche? And uh, through a series of mistakes and winding bends and turns and lost money and stressful nights, I uh, found myself back where I should have been in the beginning, which is uh, standing up and supporting men, particularly around their emotions when it comes to their relationships with women. So here
0: I am. And how long have you been doing that now?
1: So I've been coaching men for, gosh, about two years plus now. Um, So, yeah, kind of a pandemic business, so to speak.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, you got to start sometime, huh? Yeah, totally. (laughs) So in general... and maybe this isn't the best question to start off with, but in general, what mistakes do men make most in relationships? Like if we can address that, then we can, you know, kind of launch off. Yeah, um,
1: for sure. Well, we're we're all making mistakes because the truth is none of us are really taught how to not only represent ourselves authentically in online dating, but what we should do to navigate that process. And men are given a lot of mixed messaging around, you know, play the game. Um, But yet men are supposed to pursue, but Hey, shove your feelings down. because you don't want to become overly emotional and all these things. So it's like, well, uh, firstly, men and women both are going like, how do I even date? Because this is just overwhelming and I'm getting so many different mixed messaging. So one of the mistakes that I do see with, uh, men dating is that itself overthinking the whole process. Right. And it's, it's, kind of this lack of confidence that, okay, if I want to take her out and I'm just going to ask her out or shouldn't I, or what should I do? Or how should I say it? And this overthinking causes us to almost kind of paralyze ourselves, Um, and it causes a real lack of confidence sometimes in the whole process, because we're not sure if we're doing the right thing. So first off, that's definitely, um, and I call it a mistake and it's also just how we're feeling about the process, but definitely men that are overthinking and actually valuing themselves lower. So,
0: so what advice do you give them in order to move out of that?
1: Well, uh, there's a whole bunch of different things we can do, um, and that's actually what I do in my one-on work with men. But to stop ourselves from overthinking, one of the things we can do is actually get really clear on what we're looking for. Because oftentimes we're overthinking, like, "Oh, should I? Uh, should I? You know, pursue this person? I'm not sure if I if they're the right for me, or you know, I'm getting these strange vibes from someone, and, and the whole process just becomes so muddled." And oftentimes we can alleviate some of that overthinking by getting clear on what we are actually looking for. Like too many of us are out there dating without really knowing what we're looking for. Maybe we know what kind of hair color we're looking for, right? We don't know what we're really looking for. And one of the things I do with men is help them get really clear on what they're going after. um, And that makes the process a little bit smoother as well. Um, But some of the other things I would suggest to men too are tons of the kind of tools that I teach them um, that are really useful for lessening our overthinking, such as thought substitutions or emotional journaling um, or making sure, you know, I give them the advice, you know, try not to talk about it with every family member and every friend you have, because that's just going to be overwhelming and various other things that we can do (laughs) to stop.
0: So if we look at relationships as a whole, not just single men, but men in their relationships, What have you noticed in working with them and watching them and understanding women at the same time? What what do men do right most often and what do men do wrong most often? And and how do you know what would be a thing to do shift there to strengthen their relationships? Here's the paradox.
1: What men are doing right is being really nice what men are doing wrong is being really nice.
0: (laughs) Hey, explain that.
1: Okay. So what I mean by that is like, usually the men I'm talking to are are beautiful, beautiful souls. They want to show up in a really healthy way in their relationships. They want to please their partners. They want to do everything right. They have this beautiful, beautiful intention to create a really deeply loving relationship. That's what they're doing. Right. Okay. By being nice and, and compassionate through the process. Where it goes wrong is when men are too nice in the sense that they're sacrificing their own desires or wants or needs just to please the other person. So this is the type of man that I work with most frequently is the man that would consider himself a people pleaser or that like kind of Mr. Nice guy. Right, He's a beautiful soul and he's probably very sensitive and wants a loving relationship. So he does a lot of the right things, but where they're often going wrong is having a lack of boundaries and a lack of clarity on how to communicate what they're needing. They're Mm -hmm. conflict avoidant type of individuals. And that's where it actually becomes a problem.
0: Okay. So it sounds like then the very first and most healthy space is what we're talking about before you get really clear on the type of relationship that you want and and the type of person that you want to date or be with. And then you can focus in the right direction. You're not wasting time or worrying about that Mm -hmm. every every interaction needs to be successful because there's just a certain sort of thing. And you can authentically be you with your boundaries. And Mm -hmm. when the right thing comes along, then that'll click together
1: hundred percent. Yeah. A lot of us, um, when we get out there and date, especially for more of an anxious individual. And I tend to work with men that have a little bit of that anxiety around dating. And if they're doing things right or wrong, we tend to value the idea of love over things like respect and trust and compatibility. So many of us just want to be in a relationship and want to have love and want that fantasy of, of, you know, the romance that we see on TV and we sometimes overlook Well, are we actually compatible? Do we share the same values? We're wanting the same things from life. Sometimes all we're looking at is, do they like me? Because if they like me, I can feel good about myself. So we're often working around the mindset of saying, well, hold on. Yes, we want that person to adore us and to love us and to like us. But we also have to slow down and ask ourselves, do we like them? sometimes we're just rushing to get into a relationship so badly that we forget to slow down and really assess whether it's the
0: right one for us. And so what kind of mindset does that need to be done when you're working with men and getting in a good mm-hmm. healthy mindset? What does that look like?
1: So if anyone's heard of the concept of the fixed versus growth mindset, uh, this is a concept that was uh, created by Carol Dweck. She's a professor at Stanford University. She wrote a book on it and she talks about two different mindsets that are Um, either going to hinder us or be really supportive to us in our lives, our success, and of course, in our relationships. And that's the growth versus fixed mindset. So we want, anyone wants to get out of that fixed mindset into a growth one. And what that means is if you're in a fixed mindset, you're the type of individual that thinks that, You know, the luck you have with dating will never change. You know, if your parents had a bad relationship, then you will too, that wherever you're at in life is where you're going to stay, that if you are rejected, you see that as limitation of your abilities, i.e. it is a failure, Um, and you get kind of stuck. You paint yourself into a corner, so to speak. You're not the kind of individual that takes feedback very well, um, and you can be very hard on yourself. We want to be moving out of that fixed mindset into a growth mindset, which is the world is is expansive. The world is happening for me, not to me. That every failure that I come across is an opportunity for growth and learning. That I understand that relationships take commitment and effort and hard work. From both individuals, um, that I don't buy into this idealized, romanticized version of love, but rather I understand that I will ever evolve and change and grow and become the best version of myself with work over time. Right. And we want to be in that kind of a expansive growth mindset, especially when we're dating again, especially when we're in relationships. Because too many of us at the first sign of imperfection or the first sign of conflict, we go, oh, this isn't working. I'm out of here. Grass is greener. We're back on Tinder or Bumble or Match and finding someone else that maybe can fit into that ideal version of what we're looking for. So we want to get out of that fixed mindset and into that growth mindset.
0: Those are two very different things and they create Mm -hmm. very different results. I love that growth mindset because that applies to any of us, whether you're in dating or not, just life. Yeah. That that right there could be the huge takeaway for anyone.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Go look it up. I mean, there's tons of, there's great infographics online about it. Her book is fantastic. Um, Tons of articles on it, but really, yeah, we want to, and even if you are recognizing that you're maybe more in the fixed mindset, it doesn't mean you're stuck there right? You can right. can develop practices to move into that growth mindset. And I do that kind of work with men all the time. We don't necessarily say, Hey, today's session is moving you to a growth mindset, but subtly the exercises I'm introducing to them and the work we're doing is naturally moving them that way.
0: What kind of questions do men ask you most often? What are their frustrations when they come to you?
1: Um, well, I hear from the single men that are wanting to date. I hear online dating is not for me. That's the most common thing I hear over and over again. And from men that are in relationships and are wanting to kind of find out what's happening there, I'm usually hearing from them. I'm trying to do everything right, but it's still not working. So those are the two things I'm hearing most often. One is online dating is not for me. Here's all the reasons why it's not. Right. Or if they're in relationships, they're going, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what's going wrong. I'm trying to do everything right and it's still not working.
0: And what do we you tell them, them when they're at their wit's end? When well,
1: stuck? it's the situation is different for everyone. Usually, what I'm supporting them with or asking them versus kind of telling them is saying, Well, when's the last time you had like a really open conversation with your partner? You know, when's the last time you asked for what you really needed from your partner? Right? How strong are your boundaries, and how clear are you on your boundaries? And usually, what they're saying there is, I haven't really had any conversations. I'm not even sure what I want or what I need. I'm kind of avoiding conflict all the time, and I'm going. Well, that's what we need to focus on right now. So,
0: okay. So, yeah. you talk about life satisfaction. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me why that is important to relationships. How how those two things are, you know, so interactive, and yeah. how, how that's a part of your coaching.
1: So if we are not satisfied in our lives as a single person or an entity to ourselves, then what makes us think that we're going to be satisfied in the relationship, right? The thought there is often people are getting into relationships with the hope and the uh,
0: expectation that our partner is going to make us happy. Almost always, especially with when you're young, like when you're young, that's just sort of how we see it. And it takes some experience to realize I have to get whole on my own before I can really bring what I exactly. need to, to a healthy relationship.
1: Yeah. And we heard, we've heard the saying like, you know, I'm 50, 50, 50, and my partner's 50. And that makes us a whole 100. And I'm going, no, that's, if you believe that maybe your life will work out well, or maybe it won't, maybe we need to update that belief. Maybe we need to make sure. And that's why I do this life satisfaction exercise with clients. I go, well, what do you do in your life that makes you feel good? You know, how well are you taking care of your mental health and your physical self and your eating, um, you know, and nutrition? And how much time are you spending with your friends and family? And what are the quality of those relationships? Because if a man comes to me and says, hey, I want to find someone to share my life with, yet they are not satisfied in their lives. And I say satisfaction because this is a much better measure of the quality of our lives versus happiness. Because happiness can go up and down all day long. So we don't want to sit there and do an exercise when we're feeling sad and the whole exercise is going to be, well, my happiness is very low right now, right? We want to look at our satisfaction and say, if we break down all these different components and areas of our lives, travel, passions, work, finances, and we we rate them on a scale. And I do this in the exercise, we kind of come out with a, overall score on where we feel we are in terms of satisfaction. If that's high, great. You're in a position where you're actually ready to share your life with somebody. If your level of satisfaction is really low, then before we invite someone into your life, let's actually address those things first. It doesn't mean that you're not worthy or ready to have a relationship. It just means that there's other areas that are important to look at and not ignore if you want to be in a healthy relationship where you're avoiding things like codependency or avoiding conflict, right?
0: So we've had some episodes here, a couple with a divorce panel um, and and one discussing how to co-parent well. So, you know, divorce is a real life thing. How does a man get a clear vision for his life after a divorce and then set boundaries in his dating? Any advice there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I would say the first thing too is um, asking oneself if they've actually fully grieved the divorce. Um, Because it is one of the most stressful events that can happen to anybody. Um, And so understanding that and making sure you're taking time to care for yourself in that process is probably first and foremost what needs to happen. I then always encourage men to uh, understand what their new identity is. When we are separating from somebody, it can feel like we're losing a piece of ourselves. We often can lose lose friends in the process. We can lose pieces of our lives in the process. And so we're needing to rebuild who we are now that we are no longer the husband of so-and-so. Um, And so it's understanding that we need to grieve. We need to understand who we are. And then again, get that clarity on what we're looking for, making sure we're giving us ourselves enough time before we get out there, because this isn't speaking on behalf of everybody, but a lot of us, when we end long-term relationships or marriages, we feel like a piece of ourselves is missing and we go out and we search for that piece. And it's not necessarily the right mindset when we want to get back into the dating pool. So we want to make sure we know who we are and what we're looking for and that we're feeling good about the process before we get started.
0: How do single dads date? Are there any special rules or advice that you give them? Um,
1: yeah, I would I would say for sure. For single dads, you want to understand uh, when it's going to be appropriate to introduce your kids to the person you're dating. And usually that's when you can see this being something that's long-term and serious. Um, and it's understanding how you're going to carve out time for dating, knowing that you also have an obligation to be parenting your children. So I work with an individual in California who's a single dad. He has two kids. The dating process was a little bit slower for him as he got started. You know, he would dedicate Saturday nights to going on dates and meeting new women. Um, and he knew that he had his time for work, his time for himself and his time for his kids. So, He was able to get back out into the dating world while also maintaining a really healthy balance. And I think that's really important for men to keep in mind when they're also, you know, depending on how old your kids are having to tend to your children as well, which is a huge priority for them. So
0: sure. And just keeping it realistic, you know, what you see on TV and all the the freedom and what it's supposed to look like and the great sex and, (laughs) you know, everything that you see that is sort of completely airbrushed, you know, life is. Life is different than that. And you have kids and you get to take care of them and you get to have the space that you need and Yeah. yeah, bring some real life stuff in, huh?
1: For sure. So I would just say, you know, you know, have some boundaries around the dating process, be mindful of the dating process and how you want to date and what time you're going to allocate for that. Because we don't often think about that. We just start dating and it can be like, nothing can happen or way too much can happen. We want to make sure we're somewhere in the middle.
0: (laughs) So there's a lot of women that listen to this show. Um, Mm -hmm. What advice, you know, looking at things so often from the male perspective and how that works, but also being yourself a woman.
1: um, Mm -hmm. If we're just
0: talking about relationships, where do men and women often like ships passing and then miss each other? And what advice do you have for anybody that may be listening on strengthening a relationship?
1: Yeah. Well, I am I I was, I speak from a female's perspective from my personal relationship history. And that's where I, as a woman have been a little critical of my partners. And I guess my message to women too, is, you know, the same advice I give to men, how satisfied are you with your life? You know, are you looking at your partner as your partner in crime or as a man that is supposed to be providing certain things for you? Like, Where are your expectations? And when's the last time, you know, you went out of your way to do something really special and really nice for the men in your lives. Often I'm hearing from men that they feel underappreciated for all the little things they do do. Um, And they're feeling like what they don't do is what's being recognized more than what they are doing. So it's just a gentle nudge and reminder to the women out there that yes, life is tough to be a girl. I know, but, you know, take time to also appreciate the men in your life too it actually means more to them than you think. So.
0: And what advice do you give the men then on for not missing that boat?
1: Um, It's care for the women in your life, make her, Feel like the most beautiful, radiant woman in the world, but also learn how to stand up to her.
0: (laughs) No woman wants to hear that. I know. I'll edit that out.
1: (laughs) They do, though. Subconsciously, women are testing men all the time, right? Like, we want to know that the men in our lives are men that are a safe place that we can trust, that are consistent. And if we're, and maybe I don't speak on behalf of all women, but if we're always getting what we want all the time from men and we're able to kind of bend them and mold them and they're so malleable to what we need all the time, most women are going to get bored with that type of man, right? What's attractive is the man that can really stand in his masculine. It's not that he's standing up to us in a rude way or our needs are not being met. It's just... He's a strong man who sticks to his values and is is true in his convictions. And that's very attractive. So,
0: yeah, I think strong values and and your personal morals and convictions and knowing that you can't be pushed from those is important. hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So as we close up the show, do you have any parting advice, final thoughts for nurturing relationships, for Tweaking things differently. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I'll just leave that up to you. What do you want to share?
1: Well, I'll say the same thing that I need to remind myself of all the time. You know, oftentimes we have this phase in the beginning of relationships that's really magical and we wonder where it goes. It doesn't go anywhere. What actually is happening is the effort we're putting in has changed. So if you want to create the spark and the romance and that those butterflies in your relationship again, then my advice to you is do what you did in the beginning of the relationship just start bringing that into your life again. So if it's planning dates or spontaneous surprises or opening a bottle of bubbly in the bathtub, whatever it was that you did in the beginning, here's full permission to to do it again now.
0: So Well, and novelty, we respond so well to novelty. We like yeah. fresh new things that aren't predictable. And so yeah. I think for any relationship to to bring that in and kindness. You know, mm-hmm. you never go wrong with kindness. Yeah, exactly, for sure. The self-confidence project, this is your podcast. And it's a weekly mm-hmm. podcast featuring conversations about life and dating and relationships and confidence and motivation. Yeah. And in each of these episodes, um, tell me about the show. What do you talk about? Is, is yeah. it you are you interviewing people?
1: It's uh it's a combination of me doing solo episodes, giving practical advice and what people can do like today to get started on their journey. Um, and absolutely I'm bringing on phenomenal guests, talking about everything from breath work to mindfulness, to trauma, to sex, to whatever it is. So it's kind of a show that covers everything related to life, um, and always brings it back to a relation to our intimate relationship. So it's usually quite fun. I'm laughing a lot. I usually make fun of myself in the show too. Um, so absolutely if that's something that you would like, I would love for you guys to check it out and have a listen.
0: So of all those topics that you just mentioned, um, which ones have your listeners like really glommed onto?
1: Um, talking about anxious or avoidant attachment styles in dating and also trauma and how it impacts relationships. I'd say that's maybe the major themes that people navigate to and confidence, how to be They're,
0: they're big things yeah. to work through, aren't they? Yeah yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. You
0: really need the foundational work because a good, healthy relationship requires
1: all of the foundational yeah. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you for being here today. It's been wonderful to get to know you better. And her information, a link to her podcast, all that type of thing, if you'd like to get a hold of her, will be in the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com underneath this episode. And you can go and find it there.
1: Yeah. Check it out. Thank you so much, Lori.
0: Thank you. Your challenge for this week is to look at your primary relationship or the relationship that you want and take one small step toward making it a little more healthy. One one more step toward it. So maybe that is calling Kimberly, heck, getting getting a dating coach, or maybe it's taking things back like you talked about um, if you want that same sizzle and feeling to, you know, Go back and do some of the things that you were doing before that made the relationship really special when you guys were trying harder to take care of each other, right? Um, Maybe it's just being more fully present with the person, being more kind. Or maybe it's getting okay with you. Like if you're not okay with you and your own life, that's where you need to start with that focus so that you can bring someone healthy to the relationship. Maybe it's getting clear on a boundary that's really important to you that needs to be worked into your relationship whatever that is make an effort this week a step toward that and see what starts to shift now sometimes these things you know you can identify something take one small step and you need to take it again you need to take it again repetition is is where you can really make things shift but you've got to start by small and simple things right okay Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And please leave a review for the show on whatever app you listen. And if you email me a screenshot of your review and your mailing address, I will mail you a Love Your Story podcast sticker. Um, Email me at Lee at msn.com, L-O-R-I-J-L-E-E at msn.com and put review in the subject line. And I will see you in two weeks for our next episode where we delve into how to live your best life story on purpose. Have fun out there creating the story that you want. We'll see you in two weeks.